how has your intuition spoken to you in the past? How do you know it's your intuition? How do you know something feels right? How does your compass work? What interferes with your compass so you know when to make some adjustments? Hi, everyone, and welcome to Doc Working the Whole Physician Podcast. I'm Jill Farmer, lead coach at Doc Working and one of the co-hosts of your podcast. And I'm really excited about the conversation we're going to have today. I think you're going to learn a lot from it. We are going to be joined by Wendy Kranz. She's a master certified life coach and has been one for over a decade. She is also a licensed pilot, a lover of adventure and fun, and brilliant at helping overworked clients, just like physicians, create a flight plan for their life that helps them move through the turbulence and land at more meaningful destinations. Wendy, thank you so much for being with us. Of course. How fun. My two worlds collide. Yeah. I'm really glad that you were willing to come have this conversation because you and I have had many, many deep conversations through the years, both as we navigate challenges and exciting things in our own lives, as well as supporting our coaching clients and helping to lead and mentor through the years. And of course, you are a pilot. You do that for a living in addition to your coaching work. And you really help your clients understand a lot of the similarities between your life as a pilot and what we can do as sort of the pilots of our own lives. So I want you to talk a little bit about what you shared recently in a piece of writing that you did about your own situation and how that kind of led you to even a new or deeper awareness of getting back into the ability to be the lead pilot of your own life. Yes. So I just saw so many analogies or metaphors between life and flying, particularly when I was working on my instrument rating, which means it can fly through weather and the clouds and then pop out 200 feet above a runway and land and have to trust all of these instruments. And we now have fancy GPS units in our aircraft and we can program everything and we have autopilot, but we still have to be able to fly using the old timey compass. And so I have been thinking a lot about what the changes in technology have meant for flying, but also for us figuring out what route, what path, what view we want to take, how fast we want to go, how slow we want to go. So I've been using the compass as a metaphor for my intuition. So, you know, the airplane already has a lot of great metaphors, thrust, lift, drag, and weight. And, you know, what's creating drag in your life? How can we create more lift? There's all those sort of basic things. But what I've been focused on lately is the compass is how do you know if your compass is working? What interferes with your compass working? And how can you write your compass so you can make sure you're going the way you want to? Yeah, I love that. And I think the metaphor really, the reason I was excited about having this conversation with our physician and healthcare professional listeners is that from March, 2020 until the current day, (laughs) it's, it's improving in a lot of ways, but the world pandemic and the incredible impact it had individually and the disruption that it provided for so many in healthcare is kind of like everybody has been flying in the clouds and not and had the ability, right? And turbulence, right? So it's those two things combined as you're, you're getting shaken up and also you can't look out and have a visual line to where you need to be taken next or how to get to where you want to land because it's all been cloudy. And so I love the idea of thinking about what are the things that interfere with that compass that we need to have, because we got to fly by our compass sometimes, because by looking out on the Vista, we're not able to see clearly what we need to do to land. And you talk about mental interference, 
physical interference and emotional interference. And I love that. Let's start with mental interference, that overanalyzing, which is kind of something I can be the queen of. Oh yeah, that's where I've mastered. Yeah, just to sort of underscore what you just said is that when you can't see the horizon and everything outside you is white and you have no landmarks, it's when you really have to learn to trust your instruments and know when there's an interference. So the reason I chose the compass is the old timey compass, which is two magnets in fluid. There are four inherent errors in it. So I have to know how those errors affect my compass. So they're always pointing to the north and south. So if I make a turn, they're going to drag behind if I'm turning away from the north. Or if I'm turning towards the north, they're going to accelerate. So it's like knowing what is interfering with your compass. If I set an iPhone next to a compass in an airplane, it just starts spinning. So that could be like a huge event in your life that just sends your compass completely spinning. Or it could be just these little like you said, mental interference that's keeping us from having a compass reading that we can trust, right? So what I was talking about in that recent writing is is just starting to become aware of what is causing interference for you and how what errors you might have in your compass and how until you've righted your compass to not make any big life decisions. So the ones that I mentioned, like was overanalyzing, ruminating on the past or the future, any mental struggle, I think that's an error in my compass. And I don't think I can trust my brain because I can believe something wonderful about myself one minute and something horrible about myself two minutes later. So this is not a reliable instrument. So if my mental thoughts are really negative or intense, you know, really highly activated, then I know I can't really trust my intuition or my compass. Same thing with talking about physical interference of being able to trust the internal guidance system that we all have is also something that will interfere. And then um, emotional interference, which includes things like anxiety, fear, overwhelm. And so we've talked before on the podcast about emotional dysregulation. And again, it's understandable that we would have that interference, especially when the turbulence that was also created through the disruption of the ways that everybody's work was impacted often in healthcare, thanks to COVID, that created a fear response in a lot of folks. And it's hard to remember, even when you get through the turbulence, I have a lot of conversations with physicians where they're kind of in the other shoes going to drop mode all the time. And so what do you say about turbulence and how we can pilot through that? Well, and it's invisible, right? We can't see it. What I think is interesting about turbulence is every airplane has a defined maneuvering speed. That is where there will be no possible structural damage when you're going through turbulence. So we have to memorize that number. It might be on our airspeed indicator, but you need to know what the maneuvering speed is for your aircraft if you encounter turbulence to ensure that there will be no structural damage or failure. So thinking about what is my maneuvering speed? What will be helpful and supportive to me so I make sure I don't break anything? <laughs> I don't overstrain the, 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 the fuselage, the aircraft that is me, you know, so be thinking about and know before I fly what that maneuvering speed is because I might encounter some unexpected turbulence. So for me, it's preventative medicine, right? Like I'm making sure I exercise and I try to get some rest and I meditate and music and whatever it is and vitamin D, you know that that's the places I will go to if things get really bumpy. So I have preventative medicine and then I have, okay, what's going to, what am I going to do when things get really bad and I'm getting tossed around and now there's illusions involved. Not only am I getting bumped around, but now I no longer feel like 
I know where North is or South is, or even where I'm experiencing some illusions in, in my body and in my compass that make it even more difficult to navigate. So it, it often involves slowing down. Usually maneuvering speed is less than what we're, we're traveling at. And it's a very prescribed speed that will ensure your safety on the other side. So thinking about that ahead of time. I mean, it just, it's another way that gives us a really clear cut way for us to think about conditions that we can use to support ourselves that seem it right sizes them. Because a lot of times when I'm in that mode and I'm being shaken around by turbulence, I want to ignore whatever my needs are to just to try to get through it. And this is a reminder that no, one of the most necessary components is paying attention to your needs to right size your support to get you at the speed you need to be, which is often slowing down, as you said, beautifully, to get through those really rough patches. That's important because putting those aside, waiting to do the meditation, the self-compassion, the self-care, the health, you know, the things that we know support our well-being overall until quote, it stops being bumpy is actually the opposite of what we need to be doing if I'm hearing you right. Yes. And actually it's life-saving. Meaning if you want to survive this, you really do have to get to that maneuvering speed. You're not going to be able to help any of your passengers or anybody else if your strut falls off because it's so turbulent, right? So it's absolutely necessary for the continuation of flight that you do pull back the throttle and get to the maneuvering speed that will allow you to kind of ride it out. And then you can accelerate afterwards. It probably seems really obvious, but having a new way to think about it like in a physical way, I don't know, it helps to kind of drive the point home, I think. Yeah, I love that. And one of the other things is putting ourselves, I would say back in the driver's seat, but I think you would say back in the position to be pilot in command versus autopilot. And, right. and what, what is important about that? And why is that something that we need to be thinking about as well? Well, from what you've told me about so many physicians is that there's sort of this, it can be easy to just sort of follow a path and maybe not feel like you're in charge of it or you're getting to determine the route that you'd like to take. And, you know, there's a million different ways to get from San Diego to Atlanta. It's like, how, what do you, would you like to go? How fast would you like, or slow? And what would you like to see? And when would you like to stop? And it's not always the most direct that makes the most sense, right? There may be complicated airspace and it may not, there may be weather or whatever. So in a two pilot operation, which is what I fly in, there's the pilot in command and they're the one that are, they're ultimately responsible for the safety and security of that flight. And that means checking all the weather and pre-flighting the plane and all that. And then there's a pilot monitoring or a second in command. And so to take a pilot in command mentality, and we take that really seriously. It's a three-way switch off. If I'm flying and I want this person next to me, the second in command to take controls, I say your controls they say my controls and I say it a third time because that's how serious it is to be the one that's ultimately responsible for everything that's happening. So I've only recently done two pilot operations. So that's kind of new for me, the switching off of power and responsibility. And that, again, just a great reminder for all of us that we can sometimes let someone else be pilot in command. We don't have to do it by ourselves all the time. And other times, I really know where I want to go and how fast or slow, what route I want to take. And I am assuming pilot and command responsibilities. And that I think fits so well to research that is very clear, which is when we are exercising more agency and that doesn't mean responsibility or burdens, but it means more decisions for where we want to go 
in our lives. When we exercise more agency, it helps make the work we're doing more sustainable. It helps decrease the likelihood of, of burnout. And so I love that. And I think what happens a lot of times is physicians will decide if they just work hard enough and just overwork in a lot of situations, then somebody else who's in charge will see that they're working too hard and change the circumstances so that it's more equitable. And that has very, very, very seldom happens because what often happens is leadership structure says that person's willing to work harder than everybody else for the same amount of money and they don't complain. So therefore I will just have them keep doing more things. And so the system gets to the point where people feel really overwhelmed, tired, resentful, jaded, and then they want to leave. And so that's trying to get people to think more about being that pilot on control and being clear that it's okay to say, I need somebody else to support me here is, I think, important, powerful. And that's what keeps you in this highly challenging, highly rewarding, amazing career, I think, for the long haul. Yeah. And we call it crew resource management because it's such a big deal and there's so many hazards. And I would think for physicians also, it's like, it's very serious. What we're doing here could be very serious. And so, you know, if I am not feeling comfortable being pilot command, I need to communicate that. And if I need help for a second, right. But also knowing that, like you said, autonomy or agency can choose to be pilot command when you feel we have an I'm safe checklist. Like you're not going to be pilot command unless you have checked all these things that you're really have the resources and the resiliency to be pilot in command. And if you're not, then you don't go flying. And everybody respects that because fatigue and all that is a very big deal. I also like the idea that two pilots could plan a trip someplace and pick totally different flight plans. One pilot might want to fly at high altitude to save fuel. And another pilot might want to fly low to the ground and see more things. And so you can choose, right, based on what you value or what your preferences are what your routing is, what we would both choose completely different routes if we were told start in the city and end in the city. And that's, that's what's interesting about it too. Right. Cause that's part of the agency is making those choices and giving yourself permission to make those choices. Speaking of flight plans, you have kind of created a flight plan for all of us, whether or not we will ever fly an airplane. Most of us, I think we'll ride in an airplane, but most of us will not fly an airplane, but I love it because you invite us to create when we're looking, thinking about those possible routes mm-hmm. to essentially write, you know, one through 25, what are the things that we would say it would be great if, yes. right? Not yeah. the route based purely on the most practical, but what would be great? And it would be great if, and you invite us to write down like 25 things yeah. that should be part of what we're thinking about when we're putting together a flight plan. So 25, because I want you to push beyond where you would normally stop. And then I know a little bit about creative problem solving. And so the way this is languaged is supposed to help you think more creatively. And the way the words and the questions are designed to upshift your thinking to the more creative part of your brain. So it would be great if is a list of possible routes. And it could be anything like lose 10 pounds or sleep more or travel more and just list 25 things, at least 25 things. So you go beyond where you would normally start. So those were all the possible routes as the first step. And then I asked people to look at over those routes and just see if there are two or three that really jump out at them that are in neon or giving you a little wink like, yes, me, pick me. Right, right. <laughs> And then I want people to pick one of those things. And then it's sort of like I put it in the middle of a piece of paper. It would be great if I lost 10 pounds. And then what are all the reasons why? Why, 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 why else? That actually ends up being your fuel, the reason you want that thing. 
And sometimes you might notice there's some clarification needed. So I want to lose 10 pounds. It might really come down to one of my whys might show me that I really just want to feel more confident. That's really what I want to work on. It's not really the 10 pounds. So the whys help clarify. That's your fuel. And then got your clarified statement and your whys. And then below that, what's stopping you? So that's the drag. That's what's impacting your thrust and your lift. So those are the what's stopping you or those are the challenges. And then often we use creative problem solving to address each of those challenges. And that actually becomes the plan, the flight plan. Wow. It's just so helpful. I love that process because it's so easy to sort of say, oh, I wish I could be X, Y, Z, or I wish this wasn't happening and saying, wouldn't it be great if, and then challenging yourself to sort of distill down what's the most thing that (laughs) that it would be great if, (laughs) why do you want it? What's the motivation behind it? And then what could be keeping you from doing that? And then you actually wrote, you have a, a flight plan, you have a map begins to get out of the, I wish things were different into here's what I do as the pilot in command of my own life to take myself in the direction to not only make things different, but make them better and to create more of the life that I want to live and want to thrive in. Yes. And I love taking it from conceptual to practical, like I need to know what I'm going to do tomorrow. So that's why solving for each of those challenges. And again, using some creative problem solving language, such as how might I X, what are the ways I might X? And the word might is the one that helps open up our creativity. So when you're looking at those challenges or the drag in problem solving for each of those, that's how you begin to build the actual flight plan. That becomes the working document that you can take action on. And it's also great to get other people to do some creative problem solving with you because they don't have the same blinders you do. So how might you lose 10 pounds, whatever it is. Which is why coaching is such an impactful thing is that you do get to get the insights and the information. As you talked about the co-pilot, who's doing some really important work of seeing things that you aren't supposed to be in charge of while you're the pilot in command. And I think that trusted thinking partner of getting coaching this is, you know, one highly effective way of making that happen. And I just love it. I I love, I hope it's getting all of you thinking a little bit differently about putting yourself back into where you want to be and directing your own flight plan, how you want to be that pilot in command. What else do you want our listeners to think about, Wendy, before we let them go, when it comes to this idea of thinking about their life from a pilot's perspective, if you would. Just getting to know your own compass. So your compass readings might feel different than mine. Your, what interferes with your compass might be different than mine. And I, you know, we've listed a few things that might cause interference, but just thinking about how has your intuition spoken to you in the past? How do you know it's your intuition? How do you know something feels right? How does your compass work? What interferes with your compass so you know when to make some adjustments? just encouraging people to, even when they're in that discomfort, to probably hold off making some big decisions until you've righted your compass, because you don't want to be making decisions with all those errors and interference. I had already decided I wanted to pursue a new career in aviation. And then when I got cancer, I was so pissed, like, this is slowing me down. (laughs) And everybody kind of my life thought, oh, you got cancer, then you decide to go do something else. I was like, no, no. And my ego was really, really upset with all that. Because I've had those coaching tools, I mean, it really was because I've been using coaching tools and been coached so many times over the years. I still get coached to make sure that I 
could make the right decision. So meaning I went to a flight school that treated me horribly and I felt like I had to suck it up and just keep going. And at one point it got so miserable, you know, that I was like crying in the car on the way home. It's like noticing where I'm pushing myself into places that aren't good for me. Cause I think it's a good idea. And, um, really using this life-changing event as cancer as a fuel. Not that so much that life is precious, but I just don't want anything slowing me down anymore. And so it really did help motivate me. But I think I still, even at 53, was still willing to put up with crappy situations to get somewhere, even though the fuel felt bad. It was like the wrong fuel. It was fear-based fuel. And it smelled bad. It felt bad. And I overrode all of that. Like I can do anything for six months. It's like, oh, geez, no. When you get cancer, then it's like, no, six months. No, we're not doing this for six months, not even six days. So still learning a lot of that stuff where I am so tempted to be driven and pushed through to get the results. And I had to sort of admit that it was too emotionally, spiritually, physically expensive to keep pushing like that. So the job that I have now, I never would have known about if I hadn't taken the routes I took and then said, okay, uh, we're going to abort, abort, abort. <laughs> we're going to divert to a different airport and discover employment that I didn't even know existed. So it's really tough to trust that in those times. But again, I was just suffering and pushing and it was not sustainable. And so that's where as pilot in command, I said, okay, we're going to divert to a safer airport. I love that. Thank you so much. This has really given us a lot of fuel for thought and just some ways I think that can help our brains take on a new paradigm for thinking about how we can get some agency back in our lives, think more clearly about what matters to us and where we want those destinations to be. It was really just, I loved it. I loved the the piece I saw you write and I loved this conversation around it even more. So thank you, Wendy, so much for being with us today. My pleasure. Thank you, Jill. If somebody wants to get a hold of you or learn more about the work that you do in the world, where's the best place for them to find you? Oh, my website, damnthirsty.com, D-A-M-N, thirsty.com. Thank you so much, Wendy Kranz. It was great having you here. And thanks to all of you for listening. Remember, right now, hop on over to docworking.com and take the burnout quiz. It's going to be really helpful and insightful at helping you to move from burnout to more balance in your life. Until next time, I'm Jill Farmer on Doc Working, the Whole Physician Podcast. At Doc Working, we're here to help you maximize your potential on your own terms and help you live your best life. You told us what you need and want, and we built this for you. Whatever your journey is, you have options. You can choose to live the life you want to live. We see you. We get you. And now let's get you in the driver's seat of your own life so you can find purpose in your work and everything you do and every choice you make. Top executives, athletes, actors all achieve greatness with the support of professional coaches. As a healthcare professional, you deserve ongoing coaching support toward achieving your career goals and living your best life as you define it on your own terms. We have created this specifically for you with CME credit at docworking.com. Please go to docworking.com and check out our quick balance to burnout quiz 
to see where you are on the balance to burnout continuum right now. The results might surprise you. Taking this simple first step may change your life for the better. And until next time, thank you for listening to Doc Working, the Whole Physician Podcast.